Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our Family Office Solutions podcast series. My name is Mark Tetzik, and I'm the Family Office Design and Governance Strategist for our Family Office Solutions team here at UBS. Family Office Solutions is a team of dedicated specialists who work with our private wealth advisors to deliver holistic advice to the firm's wealthiest families. Our solutions include areas such as income tax strategies, family office advisory, family advisory and philanthropy services, and art advisory, to name a few. We are solely focused on advancing our platform and resources targeted to the family office segment. The focus of today's discussion will be around how families and family offices can better protect themselves and their digital footprint and to offer best practices when it comes to cybersecurity. We're joined by Chuck Costanza, Executive Vice President of Client Engagement for Global Guardian. Chuck has over 30 years of global experience in government in the private sector and spent nearly two decades as an expatriate in Europe in the former Soviet Union. As Executive Vice President for Client Engagement at Global Guardian, he helps high net worth families, family offices, and corporations identify and mitigate risks associated with their personal lives and business operations. He was previously a senior advisor at the U.S. Department of State, providing strategic assessments of how the climate will shape America's security. Chuck also spent 18 years as the managing director of GHG Strategy, a boutique consulting firm. Chuck also worked at ICF Consulting and the World Bank. Before we start, I want to mention that Global Guardian is included within the UBS professional network, but is not affiliated with UBS. Inclusion of Global Guardian in the professional network and the selection of Global Guardian to brief clients on their security is not a recommendation of or a business referral to Global Guardian. Chuck, I want to thank you for joining me today to offer some thoughtful insights as well as best practices for how families and family offices to better ensure that they, along with their assets, are protected. Thanks, we see, yeah, of course. So we see that as technology is evolving, so are the scanners. How can clients better protect themselves on their home network? You know, it's critical to understand that the home network is a place that's a little bit more relaxed than the uh, corporate environment. So you think about cyber hygiene at home, all the people who are on the, uh, on the network, children, neighbors, guests, they all represent individual vulnerabilities. But there are other pieces as well, uh, such as smart devices. Smart devices are things that we've become extremely comfortable with. The uh, smart home technologies like thermostats, uh, Alexa, for instance, some of the wearable technology we have, and also connected appliances in the home. They all were designed around uh, around uh, connections rather than security. So they become vulnerable uh, areas of vulnerability for the network. I think it's really important to think about how to protect uh, ourselves. And there are a couple of critical ways to do that. One are using firewalls, which are uh, devices that essentially regulate traffic between the internet and your home. And then endpoint devices, figuring out how to secure things like your phone, your laptop, and your tablet to make sure that they are protected against viruses and malware. Perfect. So our data exists everywhere on the internet. How can clients better protect themselves to avoid identity theft and the misuse of personal identity information? You know, there's a, it's very difficult to, uh, to conceive of, the, of how big this problem is. There are approximately 4,000 data brokers out there um, that collect and legally collect information about everything that we do on the Internet, whether we think it's hidden or not. Using those, that information in aggregate can provide what we call PII, or personally identifiable information, which becomes the key to identity theft. That information can be found both in the um, open web, 
but also on the dark web. Dark web tends to have information that's been procured from hacks, where in the open web, you find the information that's routinely populated from every form that we fill out, every transaction that occurs. So the way we go about protection is, first of all, we look because you can't take away information from the dark web, you understand where it is and you watch it as it moves. And you, as long as you know what it is, you can protect yourself by understanding what the vulnerability is. As far as the information that lives on the open web, there are firms that can do both monitoring and what we call takedown of the profiles. And the takedown is they simply erase the profile. Those profiles are on a daily basis, so this type of service is ongoing. Finally, you can use products that help with ID theft protection. You've probably heard of LifeLock. And of course, the major credit agencies also offer the ability to freeze credit, which can help protect it. Okay, very interesting and very frightening. Um, another question. A lot of our clients are always on the go. They're mobile, whether it's for business or pleasure, domestic or international. What are some cyber breast practices prior to and during travel um, that could be insightful for our clients just to be aware of and to practice? Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, a little bit of thought goes going into this prior to the actual technical uh, steps. First of all, it's kind of understand what kind of a target are you? What kind of target do you present? Are you a target yourself? Are you a target because of the people you associate with? Are you a target because of the information you have access to or the people that you might have access to? Another question to think about is, where am I at most risk? If I were to read you the countries, Belgium, USA, Russia, Mexico, Peru, those countries are all in order of cyber safety from being the safest in Belgium to being the least safe in Peru. Some of those countries in between may surprise you, but understanding where your, where your vulnerabilities are when you're traveling is important. Technically, before you go, you should really focus on updating your device, make sure that all the software is updated, any data that uh, is important you should have backed up. The device itself should be locked. So if you can, if you can put a lock on your, your, uh, your phones or your laptops or tablets, it's important. The use of two-factor two authentication is something that everybody should be doing, which is providing a second piece of information that allows independent, uh, allows independent verification aside from the particular website you're on. You may get an SMS or a voice call asking to authenticate. And finally, disabling auto-connect for Wi-Fi when you're, when you're traveling. I mean, sorry, before you travel. You don't want to be showing up to an unknown Wi-Fi and have your phone automatically connected. And once you get on the road, it's important to, probably the most important piece of advice is to use a VPN. A VPN is a, it's a tool that allows essentially a tunnel to go between your device and the and the and uh, your destination on the internet, protecting all the information between. If you can, you should avoid logging into sensitive accounts like bank accounts, retirement accounts, et cetera. Always use encrypted websites, and you'll know those by the, in the, um, Address bar, you'll see the little lock, important. And finally, I would say one thing we overlook a lot is our posting on social media when we're away and what that tells adversaries about your location, about your interests, and about your family. I would say that it's important to recognize that whether you're at home or abroad, there is no expectation of privacy. All righty. Um, shifting gears a bit, bringing the focus 
to specifically family officers. What are the biggest areas of concern most family officers are facing when it comes to cybersecurity? Yeah, this, and this is a really interesting uh, question, Mark. I think first off, you have to understand what's being protected. I'm sure that your clients do, but protection of IP, sensitive business information, individual identities, but also reputation, those are all critical. I think some of the pitfalls that family offices face when they come into uh, the question of cybersecurity is, first of all, underrated, underestimating the risk. Many, you'll hear often many, uh, many folks say that we're under the radar. And while they may not be known to, uh, you know, sort of on the street as average names, um, what we find out is that size in this case really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter uh, whether they're big family offices, small family offices, about 25% of family offices are hacked, and that's big and small at equal rates. Another thing to be conscious of is that we often equate cyber with IT. These are two extremely different realms. The IT is really how your system functions and making sure that all the devices connect and work, all the software is, is up to date. But the cyber aspect, which is really trying to identify and then repel attacks, is something completely different. And oftentimes, it requires a different set of actors. So it may be a third party to come in to look at, at that cyber and ensure that it's, it is a distinct element uh, from the IT. There are two other elements that I think are, specific, are particularly important here. One is that during COVID, a lot of traditional office workers went remote. Remote connection presents its own cyber challenges for family office. And finally, insider threat. It's another important aspect. So understand who are inside the protected uh, environment and who has access to what. All right, very insightful. Um, so along the same vein, what are the things that now should consider when looking to implement cybersecurity protection? So there's certainly two avenues to think about. One is the technical and the second is the behavioral. And most cybersecurity experts would tell you that you can have the best technical capabilities, but most of your breaches uh, will come from the human element. So answering the technical side would really look at making sure that you have cutting-edge cybersecurity systems in place that are monitored continuously. And importantly, you also have a cyber response plan. That cyber response plan should be well-known within the firm but also to, to the clients as well, to, to the stakeholders as well, so they understand that. Important would be third-party verification. Penetration testing is a, is a critical element to make sure that the systems you have in place are as good as you think they are. And then on the behavioral piece, it's really education. It would be educating staff that work both remotely and in the office on things to be cautious of, how to recognize various types of attack, like phishing attacks, submission attacks, uh, voice, potential voice calls that are alerting, and putting them on alert to let them know that they are, in a sense, a target and they have to be vigilant. I think yeah, another thing that's important for family offices to consider, too, is benchmarking against one another. There's a very robust environment of family offices, and looking at your risks relative to others and seeing how you're protecting relative to others is is pretty important. Okay, so let's stay on the human capital within a family office. Who within a family office should have access 
certain platforms, databases, passwords. So how can you sort of um, implement some best practices with respect to passwords and access within the family office setting itself? So I think the, the key question for anyone involved in limiting access should be the need to know principle. Trying to understand who are the people within the organization that need what information in order to make, make the organization function. There's going to be a balance, and the balance is going to be security versus efficiency. So you'll have to manage access con uh, the access control to that information such that not, not so much that it restricts business, but not so little that it becomes a vulnerability. You should also put these systems in place so that they're both auditable and actionable. So you should be able to understand readily who has access to information, and it should be definitive in terms of uh, being able to look at access um, and any breach that occurs. Perfect. Chuck, thank you again for joining and providing insights on how family offices can better manage their cyber risks. As always, please reach out to your UBS Private Wealth Advisor for more information, and thank you all for joining today. Enjoy the rest of your day. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.